The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not as he's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina. Excuse me. You guys know the situation that we have with certain software on the old computer. It just does whatever it wants to do, no matter if I fix it or not. So I apologize for that. Anyway, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. Please check us out online, sonsoflibertyradio.com and also sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of the radio, you want to watch the video portion of the radio show. That's right. You can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. There you're going to see two videos at the top of the page. Now, you guys watching by video, you know I'm not fibbing. We are live at this moment, but you recognize this was the show from, from Friday that we did. So, um, but, we, but we are live at the moment, and uh, the show is pre-recorded, so we're not taking any phone calls or anything like that. On the left side of the page, you'll see a video. This is Bradley's show from the previous day. Click on that, and if you missed it, you want to see it, you can do so up until 3 p.m. Eastern, at which time he'll be live in that area. Right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button. uh, Blow it up on whatever device you've got. Look for the Rumble icon, bottom right-hand corner. Click on that, and you can join us in the chat. We usually have a lot of people over there in the morning, so good morning to you guys. And while you're there, please subscribe to that channel, Sons of Liberty Radio Live, Sons of Liberty Radio Live on Rumble. And we're also on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page over there, and we appreciate Michael and his team giving us a spot on their platform. Uh, back to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, right up under where we're uh, streaming live is where you can sign up for our email newsletter that goes out once a day, all the articles from SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, including the morning show archive. So uh, this will be in a video and a, and a, um, a podcast format in that archive. All the links to the previous day's articles. Sometimes I throw in bonus videos in there of things that we don't talk about, but I find interesting. Doesn't necessarily mean I agree with that. I find them interesting. And so those are in there. And uh, links to, we're going to talk about a book this morning, um, and some other things will be in there. So that's all in the archive. You get that every day, so be sure and sign up for that. Finally, we're highlighting... Um, the store, you can get there from sonsoflibertymedia.com, the menu at the top, or you can go directly there to the sons of liberty.squarespace.com. Uh, and for whatever reason, I don't, I'm, I'm not even going to mess with this because the more I change a, see, it's doing it now. Uh, the more I change things, the more this will be a problem. So let's just go with, let's just go back to where we were. 
the store is there. We're highlighting Bradley's book. Um, all the profits were pointing to the front. It's $10 in the store. We're also, we also have some of Soldier of the Cross. That's in there, $10. The shirts for Soldier of the Cross, the artwork, the quote from Peter Muhlenberg, that's, that starts at $20. Uh, it's a little more if you're a larger size. And then we have the bundle pack where you get the book, each shirt, and the dog tags, just like these, uh, silver or black of your choice, and shirts in your uh, size, they start at $34. That'll go up a little bit if you've got a double X or larger size as well. Those are in the um, in the store, and we appreciate your orders. And uh, Bradley usually and his family usually get that out pretty quickly. So uh, usually, I think they're they're anywhere from three to five three to five days that they get to people. Sometimes it's a little faster than that through USPS. All right, this morning we're going to highlight a book that we do have. Uh, that we're showing here on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com here, Indoctrinating Our Children to Death, Government Schools War on Faith, Family, and Freedom, and How to Stop It. And this is by our friend Alex Newman. He's from LibertySentinel.org, and uh, now they're doing Substack. And uh, he also writes some over at The New American. And uh, Alex, it's great to see you again. Uh, it's been, what, Six months since we saw each other out there in Iowa for the first time. I got to meet you in person. It's great to have you on the Sons of Liberty, man. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Tim. Absolutely. Now, this one is what you're writing on. I know it's dear to your heart because I know how you are with your, your family and stuff. It's one that's real dear to my heart, I think, with Bradley, too. We are constantly exhorting people to follow the words of Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 10 in you know, under, having having God's command statutes and judgments in our heart, and then imparting those to our children all the day long. And when we send them to the public, the I call them the public indoctrination centers, we call public schools, when we send them there, they're going into the established religion, which we're not supposed to have, of the state that's devoid of God at all. I mean, in history, in math, in any of these kinds of things. So what have you taken and written on here with this indoctrinating our children to death. You want to tell people what spurred that on? Well, the, the religious angle of it is, I think, probably the most important one, especially for believers. Uh, what could be more important than what the Bible says about education and the nature of what is happening in the public schools? And so to, to build a little bit on what you shared, you know, a lot of people don't realize that the government schools were always intended to turn children away from God. They were always intended to turn children away from the Bible. Uh, and that's true if you go back to the earliest character. In fact, I start the book, chapter one, starts with Robert Owen. Uh, and this is a name that has been largely lost to history. He was very influential in his day. But uh, he was a communist before Karl Marx had even come along and, and coined those terms with the Communist Manifesto and things like that. And uh, he believed passionately in getting rid of private property, uh, removing children from their parents, uh, dismantling the family. And, of course, uh, uh, he believed that Christianity was the biggest obstacle on the path to utopia. And so he uh, he actually set up a commune in Indiana called New Harmony. It failed in less than two years because communism is, of course, contrary to the word of God and ridiculous. And he concluded that the real reason was because these people had been educated and, and raised up in a Christian society, an individualistic society, as he saw it. And his solution to that was, hey, let's have the government start educating children. Uh, he had written some essays. Uh, one of his most prominent ones was um, about the formation of the human character. And he argued that the best government would be the one that had the best system of national education and that the government ought to start working on this. So these ideas didn't catch on in America because people were still clinging to their guns and their Bibles. Uh, why would we want the government to educate our children? We're doing a fine job of that ourselves. And if we need help, we'll talk to the pastor. We'll go to the church. Thank you very much. 
So um, they, the essays ended up getting picked up by the Prussian ambassador to, um, uh, and he took them back to Prussia. And the Prussian dictator got hold of them and uh, decided that he was going to build a government school system. It was the first ever example we can find, other than maybe fascist Sparta, you could arguably say, uh, where you had education of the state, by the state, and for the state. Uh, so this system was, uh, well, and let me pick up a little bit more on Robert Owen. Um, he actually created, and we know this because of a whistleblower, he created a secret society, is how the whistleblower described it, that was modeled on the Carbonari of Europe. And um, th this whistleblower, his name was Orisus Brownson. He said he knew of this because he was involved with it. He actually said he was organizing New York for this secret society. And he said the twin uh, surface level goals were changing public opinion so that people would want the government involved in education and then also getting men elected to legislatures who would support a government role for education. But Orisus Brownson, the whistleblower, he became a Catholic and repented of his involvement in this uh, society. He said the ultimate objective was to get rid of Christianity. I mean, th th those were Oris Brownson's words. He said, you know, we weren't going to say that openly. Our goal was to get a system of state schools and then ultimately a national system of schools where we would exclude all religion. We would exclude everything that couldn't be verified by the census. And wherever we could, we would bring the clergy into contempt and, and make them look ridiculous. So that's the genesis of this whole system that people don't realize. Now, that Prussian system that took root in Prussia was imported back to the United States by another godless man who rejected the Bible, Horace Mann, uh, who was in very tight with the Unitarians. Uh, he got himself selected as the first ever secretary of education for any state and uh, imported this system. Right away, the quackery started pouring in, right? You wonder why kids are illiterate. We could save that story for another day, but it began with Horace Mann. And, um, you know, he, he actually publicly proposed getting rid of the Bible in schools. Uh, he, he claimed to be upset about the sectarianism, right? You had the Presbyterians who wanted their theology thought. You had the Baptists who wanted their theology thought. So, so he said, well, let's get rid of the sectarianism. We'll just exclude all the Christian stuff, and we'll just focus on the secular stuff is kind of how he framed it. Uh, obviously, that that didn't take off. That that was unthinkable to people. You know, how, how could you have education without the Bible? It's like an oxymoron. And then, and this is a long way of addressing what you said, but let's fast forward a little bit to John Dewey who picked up on this architecture that Horace Mann had started building. After he was done in Massachusetts, he traveled the country and convinced other states to join the bandwagon. And um, John Dewey, we know a lot about his religion. Okay, He he actually was, uh, in his view, the one of the co-founders of a new religion. Uh, him and a few dozen of his buddies got together and they wrote something called the Humanist Manifesto. Now, the Humanist Manifesto, we quoted extensively in this book because it's a very important document. Uh, they believed they were founding a new religion. Uh, the, the first plank in the religion is we religious humanists believe the universe is self-existing and not created. So, you know, direct, full-on frontal attack on the words in Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And, and as you read this religious manifesto, this humanist manifesto, and it's publicly available, anybody can, can put it into a search engine and you'll find it right away. What becomes clear is, first of all, this is communism, right? They talk about getting rid of the profit motive, uh, reorienting the economy, uh, collectivizing the means of life, which you know Marx would call the, the means of production. Um, so it was communism, but it was also, because there is no real God in their view, it was also this kind of ancient lie from the pit of hell that you can be your own little God and I can be my own little God and we can determine for ourselves what is good and evil, what is right and wrong. Um, and of course, this is actually the oldest line in the book, right? You go back to Genesis chapter three, it's, it's what the serpent said to Adam and Eve. So they thought they were inventing a new religion. Of course, they weren't. They were just parroting the same lie that has been deceiving people from the very beginning. And then you fast forward just a few decades 
Then you get to 1962, 1963, where the uh, clown car, formerly known as the Supreme Court, rules that you cannot have Bible in the schools. You cannot have prayer in the schools. And to, to their credit, uh, the justice who wrote the dissent in this case, and we, we quoted extensively in the book as well, uh, his name was Justice Potter Stewart. He said, what we did here is not the realization of a state of neutrality when it comes to religion. He said, what we're actually doing with these rulings is we are establishing the religion of secularism, or as John Dewey would wow. have the religion of humanism. Wow. That's what they did. Under the guise of the First Amendment, they established this re false religion from the pit of hell, forced us to pay for it with our taxes, forced us to hand our children over to be brainwashed into this false religion, and then we act surprised when our kids are killing themselves, killing each other, castrating themselves, going into the wrong bathroom. Uh, what, what did we expect was going to happen? Yeah, well, I mean, I no, I totally get that. I did not know he had written something like that because I've been saying that for years, and I didn't know about this guy uh, Potter. I, but I, but it was very clear to me that this is what they're doing. In fact, I stated it on Friday morning show about them doing that very thing, establishing a religion, you know, with without God, them being the God. And you were making mention of the other. Uh, God talks about that in the Old Testament where he says the men were doing right in their what was right in their own eyes. That's why they were getting judged all the time. Um, but okay, so so we've established that. These guys are there. We could go back, I think, probably into um, uh, Daniel chapter 1, and we see that he was one who had been established in the Scriptures. That's how he and his friends were able to stand. And yet they were put through the Babylonian school too, weren't they? And I think what they ended up doing was educating all those wise men and magi and stuff like that that later would come uh, after the Christ was born looking for he who was born king of the Jews. So it's been going on there. Has any of this, you make mention of a lot of these players, uh, 19th, uh, 20th century kind of deal, do you see any of them tied out of or tied to what took place in this country 170 years ago when there was the War of Northern Aggression and then Lincoln and or not Lincoln, but uh, the people there. And I think he did have a lot of Marxists uh, that he was tied to. They pressed on the states. We have it in our Constitution in South Carolina that came after that. We had to have public education. It, how does that fit in with with these guys that you're talking about, if you're familiar with that? Uh, yeah, it's it's a really interesting story. It was actually the, the South was the most resistant area when it came to collectivizing uh, government education. Um, the, the southern states did not want to participate in this, and it was actually forced on them by the North after the war between the states. It's a really interesting story. And, uh, you know, a lot of the southern states said, no, uh, you know, it, it's not the responsibility of the state or even the local government to educate children. That is a responsibility that uh, ought to be properly left up to, first of all, the parents, the family. And second of all, to the extent that they need outside help, uh, you're going to go then to private actors, whether that be the church or a paid tutor or something like that. Right. But after the Civil War, um, that is when the southern states, uh, you know, during Reconstruction and all the rest of it, um, were kind of forced to adopt a lot of these ideas from the north, very much including the government schools. And so by the time we got to early 1900s, uh, even the holdouts had been brought on board. All of the states and, and local governments had at least... I mean, it wasn't like today, right? It was the camel's nose under the tent. You didn't have to send your child for nine months out of the year, for five days a week, for eight hours a day to be taught that they might be a vampire cat or, you know, that if they castrate themselves, they're going to be their true self. It wasn't like that. But, you know, the Bible was still uh, kind of central 
But once the government camel nose was under the tent, uh, it wasn't long before the whole stinking smelly beast was under the tent as well. And, um, you know, that's that's when it really, really got bad. And so you had a compulsory attendance. And right around the time of World War One is when we reached a tipping point. Right. Uh, right in the aftermath of World War One is the first time in American history where most American children were being educated by government. Uh, and that's because, you know, they sent the men off to go die in the war. The women then they forced into the factories because the men were all dying in the war. And so there was nobody to run the factories. And they said, oh, look at all these children. Who's going to raise the children now that all the women are in the factories building bombs and whatever? Um, and so that was a, really a turning point in our country where they said, aha, we got the kids. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. It went uh, downhill very, very, very rapidly from there. Yeah. And I one of the other things, too, Alex, was what was going on prior to the war for independence. And that was, you know, I I read this great book by Joel McDermott talking about taking, you know, America back one county at a time. I don't know if you've read it, but he points out that the literacy rate in America was tremendous without all this money being thrown at stuff. In fact, he would attribute it to basically two things, the family reading the Bible at the breakfast table and reading the Bible at the dinner table. And God was on God was honoring them because they were honoring him in their midst. And um, he was talking about places like South Carolina, where I live. And South Carolina at the time had like, I think he said like a 90 percentile literacy rate in the rural areas and 95 percent in the cities. I mean, they were rivaling, you know, what was going on in England and what they're doing. And because I don't want to mess up our video feed here, I decided to look up literacy in South Carolina now. And this is the first thing that comes up. It's from ed.sc.gov. It's the first thing that comes up. I put literacy in South Carolina. If you want to do it, I guess you'll get the same. It's Google, so who knows. According to the most recent state data, only 54% of of third grade students in South Carolina are reading on grade level. So I think, I I really do believe if, if that is not at center, if we're not honoring God, the true and living God, who is found in the pages of the scripture, if we're not doing that, how can we expect him to bless us, let alone our children? Yeah, and, and there, there's so much there to unpack, Tim. And I want to start with the, the literacy data. We've got a lot on that in this book. Uh, before the advent of government schools, Americans were the most literate people on planet Earth without even a close second, uh, at pretty much at any point in human history. Right, There had never been a society where literacy was so universal. You had in a lot of the big cities uh, 100% literacy, you know, Boston, Philadelphia. Uh, we've got huge amounts of data on this. This is not speculation. And we, I mean, the anecdotes are, are quite obvious. I would mean, just go read the Federalist Papers. Um, you know, it's quite obvious that the, the general public at that time was highly educated, highly literate, uh, able to do high level thinking. But um, DuPont de Nemour did a study in 1812. It was called uh, National Education in the United States of America. And he looked at the literacy rates and he concluded after uh, doing a, a pretty extensive survey that not more than four in a thousand young Americans were unable to write legibly even neatly. OK, uh, today it would be quite the phenomenon if you could find four in a thousand young people <laughs> absolutely write legibly and neatly. Um, and, and again, the data on this is so overwhelming. We've got data from that time period. We've got data today that looked at the records, uh, even at the height of the Civil War. You know, 90 percent of the folks in the South 
according to the Smithsonian, if you if you exclude the the slave population, were literate. Uh, and this was all without government schools, right? It, it actually the the value that people put on reading goes back to the very very beginning. If you go to the Pilgrims and you look at what they did uh, when they set up the Massachusetts Bay Colony, it was the first ever education act that was passed anywhere in North America. Uh, it was called the Old Deluder Satan Act, and um, you know they they had a different context in mind at that time. You know people were still being burned at the stake for trying to translate the Bible into English. You know it, it, it was a a different world back then. But the the premise of the statute, as they framed it, was that old deluder Satan. One of his chief projects is to keep men ignorant of the scriptures. That's right, and therefore everybody in this colony must read. And, you know, there, there are some people, analysts, who I, I think well-meaning, but they make a, a very easy-to-make mistake here. And they assume that this was actually the start of public education in America. It was not, right? The the colony that took root in Massachusetts was really a Bible colony. It, it was as close to a theocracy as you're going to get. Uh, church and state were one, right? The, the leaders of the church were also the leaders of the civil politic. And so what they said was, uh, you know, we need to make sure that everybody in this colony can read. And so towns need to check that all the children can read. And if necessary, then they can hire a teacher to help out. But you go back and you look at some of the resources that they use. And of course, the Bible was the primary textbook across every subject, but even the very simple tools that they were using to teach reading. We have, and I've got copies in my library. We've got the New England Primer. Um, we've got the Blueback Speller, right? These were very, very cheap, very affordable tools. Uh, and, I, and I quote them extensively in here. It's, it's fascinating to read this. So they're teaching the kids the letters, you know, A, in Adam's fall, we sinned all. So they're teaching yep. them theology and the letters at the same time. And the people of that era were so unbelievably educated. I encourage people, just go to the Civil War era. Go read the, the letters from soldiers to their wives. You will be absolutely blown away that these supposedly backwards, ignorant peasants who maybe stopped studying when they were you know 12 or 13, they write more beautifully than most of our English PhDs Amen. today. They do. So it's, uh, it, it's a travesty what has happened. And people don't even realize because we've been in this ridiculous system for so long now. Yeah, well, the part of it is understanding that we're in that. And I, you know, I, I was just talking with Bradley. Um, I just so people know, I missed my my time frame with Alex, and so he was kind enough to give me a couple of minutes to get with. But I was talking with Bradley, and I said the same thing. I, I said that the, the, the a lot of times what's happened is we come into the world. We're learning obviously from our parents what we do, and so some of us. And I confess, look, I had vaccines when I was little wasn't they're still bad back then uh, but they're not what they are now and I I had those and my wife and I just thought well this is the thing you do and we did that for the first few children that we had and then all of a sudden we were questioning okay why are we doing that are these children not healthy I mean we had we had one son that they induced the labor and they come to discover he's like a month early um, and they, yeah it's just ridiculous so uh, the next child we had, she had something where her esophagus didn't grow together, so they had to do a surgery on it. But the rest of them were, you know, healthy and stuff. So eventually we moved to home births where you're not even dealing with that stuff. But you've got that kind of stuff going on. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you, you do it because that's what you've been taught to do. And until you question it, and I think the Scripture, you know, really wore on us for that, Alex, as well as work and everything else— until you're willing to question that and look at it and see the benefit that God gives by you as the parent being, um, you know, controlling the education, determining what your child is going to see, listen to, write, or any of this other, then you're just leaving it to your enemies to indoctrinate them. And then, you know, Alex, some, 
some parents wake up and they go, how did my child become like this? It's kind of like, you know, you go plant a garden and you don't tend to it. What's going to come up there? Weeds, right? You're not going to have any food. How many people have you run across this just like that? They need to hear this kind of truth that you've got in your book. Well, a lot of people don't want to hear the truth, and that, that's one of the biggest obstacles here. There, there's so much there in what you just said that I want to address. You know, there's one of the most common objections I hear from parents and pastors is, well, if, if all the Christians pull their children from the wicked government brainwash camps, um, who's going to be salt and light in the schools? Well, the answer is your children are not being salt and light in the schools, okay? Uh, the, the Bible teaches that we're in a spiritual war, Okay. Nobody would send their eight or nine year old child to Iraq with an exactly. M16 and say, hey, you know, go go knock them out. We're going to go defend freedom. Why? Because the child is not trained. Right. Much less would a parent send their child to the enemy's camp to be trained in the enemy's camp. And yet that's what parents are doing in this spiritual war. But Jesus is very clear. He says you're either with me or you are against me. He says that in Matthew and he says that in the Gospel of Luke. Um there's no neutral ground here, right? And and I challenge anybody. I, a lot of my speeches, I say, you know, anybody want to come up here and make a case that the government schools are with Christ and nobody ever comes, right? Why? Because we all know that's self-evidently ridiculous. Well, if they're not with Christ, what are they? They are against Christ. How in the world can we expect to send our children to be discipled by an institution that is against Christ and expect them to be salt and light and then come out um, as as Christians, it, it's it's simply ludicrous, and I'm not making the argument that the government schools will save or that uh, Christian education will save your children. Jesus Christ saves your children, and That's he can right. rescue children even from the most diabolical. I mean, he rescued me, right? Imagine that. Um, so he can do it. But why, if you are a Christian, if you claim to believe the Bible, I just read First John to my children over the last few nights. Uh, if you love God, you will what? You will obey his commands. That's God right. God commanded you to raise your children yeah. up in this particular way. Teach them uh, in the fear and the admonition and the discipline of the Lord. Right? Psalm 78 gives us the purpose of education. So our children come to know God, so they know what he has done throughout history. Um, so we need to really ask some very fundamental questions. And see, this was all widely understood, Tim. Uh, you know, to go back to historical America for a moment, when uh, Alexis de Tocqueville came over here in the 1830s, he was flabbergasted at the level of education he found before any government schools had been set up. He said that in, in these places that uh, almost every citizen, he says almost every citizen has the elementary understanding of uh, the Constitution. They have, uh, they understand the doctrines and evidences of their religion. Uh, they understand the history of their country. He says uh, somebody wholly ignorant of these is a sort of phenomenon, right? And today it's exactly the opposite. So we had a very, very good system of education prior to the advent of government schools. And, and I actually forgot to mention, you, you mentioned the reading data in South Carolina. The, the U.S. Department of Education, they every two years do what's called the National Assessment of Educational Progress, where they do they take a, a representative sample of the victims of government schools and do some academic testing on them. Well, what they have found consistently now is that less than one-third of the victims of these indoctrination camps are even proficient in any core subject that includes reading, writing, math, science, history, civics, less than one third are proficient in anything. So from a spiritual perspective, from an academic perspective, from a biblical perspective, uh, I mean, even just from a perspective of loving your children, they, there's really no more excuse. Your children are not going to be salt and light. They're going to come out dumbed down. They're going to be revolutionaries. They're going to hate you. They're not going to know what gender they are. And, um, you know, it's, it's frankly, uh, Christians need to understand what the Bible teaches on these issues, and they need to understand what's happening in these schools. And, uh, you know, the, to go to the Great Commission for a moment, you know, you, I, I hear pastors and, and even some parents say, well, you know, we're just focused on the gospel and the Great Commission. We're going to disciple the nation. Oh, 
So, you know, we, we've got data now, something like 80 percent of Christian children from good Christian homes who spent 12 years in a government brainwash camp are going to leave the faith. They're going to leave the church. So you're going to decide you're going to make disciples of all nations. You're going to teach them to obey. You're going to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. But you ain't doing but it in your own house. 80 percent of you. Right. You're going to lose your own children. Your congregation is going to lose 80 percent of its children. Uh, I mean, you know, let, let's not be foolish here. You're not going to be discipling the nations when you're losing your own children. Our first ministry that God has assigned to us is to our families, is to our children. So, uh, you know, any, any talk of discipling the nations when we're losing all our children is, is frankly foolishness. Yeah. What do you do? You have anything? And, and I, I've, I've brought this to the audience before. Uh, but do you have anything in your book when you were talking about uh, the War of Northern Aggression, you know, time period and how those guys wrote? And I brought to the audience uh, Robert Dabney's book on secular education, a little short book. I don't know if I'm sure you've probably read that. I have not, actually. Really? Okay. I would highly I recommend I to, it. Though. You can get an electric con- electronic copy off of Amazon for like four bucks. I, re- I read it because I bought uh, Stonewall Jackson's uh, biography that was written by him, and it was with Vision Forum at the time, and they had a little little paperback version of it that was in there, and I read it, and I was amazed at how this guy could see. He was telling them, he said, if they win the war, they're going to push public education on him. He started dump, dump, you know, delving out these numbers, and he was saying their prison population was huge compared to the South. Even though all he, and he says the people who want to read are going to want to learn to read anyway. The people that you put through that system, they're going to come out and they're not going to read anyway. And so, and he was talking about it being an enslavement, and he talked about how it would change the roles of men and women. I mean, how this guy was seeing it, I guess he was following it logically out because uh, he never, I don't think he claimed to be a prophet or anything like that, but he was just following all the way out and he was seeing it. And I was, as I was reading it, and this was, maybe 15, 18 years ago, as I was reading it, I was going, this is exactly what's going on in the schools today. And it's amazing how God puts his men in place and they warn the people, if you let this happen, this is what's going to be the result. And I think that's partly why you do what you do is to warn the people to not go down that road, go down this road, the straight and narrow. Don't get off to the right or the left, right? And this is what the Sons of Liberty are about as well. So what else do you cover in the book? You've already talked about this establishment of religion. I'm glad you're hitting on that right after I do. Uh, But what else is going on in the government schools? And as we come to the end, I want to look at some solutions. What can... I think every parent can take their kids out and they can start educating themselves. They're just going to have to trust the Lord in, in, in their obedience. But what are some other things you cover here in the book, Alex? Uh, well, there, there's uh, you know obviously way more than we'll have time to get into, but I think from a, from the Christian perspective, something that'll be very interesting to people is the emergence of a global education system. We're watching that unfold right now. Uh, it's it's not a new phenomenon. In fact, right when UNESCO, the UN Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, was set up um, in the aftermath of World War II, uh, they were pretty open about the fact that they wanted to reduce the influence of parents and uh, build the idea of globalism in the minds of children. Well, they they've pretty much accomplished that. Uh, they're they're very open now about how they're training your children to be global citizens. And um, the the Assistant Secretary General of the UN, Robert Mueller, uh, from uh, back in the 1990s, um, and he, he's called often the father of global education. Uh, he wrote something called the World Core Curriculum, and this was endorsed by the UN. Uh, they said it ought to be taught to every child in every school around the whole world. And um, and I've got a lot of these documents that he put out, and a lot of these works and books uh, in the teacher's manual for this uh, World Core curriculum. He, he's got a forward in there. And in the forward, he says that his global education vision is actually based on the teachings of Alice Bailey, 
uh, and the Tibetan teacher, Javal Kul, which is interesting. Uh, not a lot of people know about Alice Bailey or the Tibetan teacher. I, I actually have some of her books here. Uh, this is by Alice Bailey. It's called Education in the New Age. Uh, I'll give you a hint. Uh, she was the founder of the Lucifer Publishing Company. Nice. Uh, yeah, right? A surprise. And um, in her books, uh, like this one here, Education in the New Age, uh, this uh, Tibetan teacher turns out he's not Tibetan or a teacher. Uh, it's, a, it's a demon, right? She claimed to be communicating with ascended masters, these spiritual entities that were giving her secret revelations about the coming new age and the evolution of consciousness and how as soon as we get rid of those Bible-believing bigoted Christians, uh, we're going to move into this wonderful new age. Um, she talks in this book about how education really needs to turn children into world citizens to be prepared for the world federation and the world brain that she says is going to emerge here. Uh, and she says, we're going to do this. We're going to fuse Marxism, neo-scholasticism, and we're going to use the tools and methods advocated by John Dewey, who we already talked about. So fast forward a little bit more from the world core curriculum. You've got Bill Gates of hell goes over to UNESCO in uh, 2004 signs a deal with them to start working on global standards, global curricula, global teacher training programs, global technology systems to bring it all together. And, um, and and this is a publicly available document. Now, Bill Gates signed it with his own hand. And then he comes back to the United States and, and quietly starts pouring millions of dollars and then billions. He ended up spending $2.3 billion on this atrocity that we call today Common Core, uh, the first ever set of national education standards in America. So they actually bought ads, Tim, to brag to Americans that the Common Core matches up and is lined up with international standards. So they're moving very rapidly toward a one-world uh, education system that is uh, expected to turn children into global citizens who believe in radical feminism, this ideology from hell called sustainable development. Uh, it is diabolical in the truest sense of the term. So we go into uh, some great depth on that. Uh, we actually have um, two chapters in the book. It, it may be the only subject that we have two chapters on uh, is the sex education. Right. There's a long and horrific history here. It's not just to turn your daughters into prostitutes. It's not just to turn your sons into, uh, you know, slimy guys that just use women as if, uh, you know, they were a, a tool for sex. Um, the agenda is way, way deeper and even darker than that. Um, it is a calculated assault on the family, on uh, biblical sexual morality and ethics. Um, it, it is so dark and so weak. I, I mean, I can't even say a lot of um, what we know because, you know, the, the Bible talks about some things are just so shameful. You just don't yep. talk about it. I'm the same way. I don't like talking about them either. Yeah. And so, but, you know, there, there's some of this stuff that parents need to know because our children are being exposed to this and we must, we absolutely must protect them. And then, you know, I, I actually end with a final chapter making the argument that, look, the government school building is on fire, right? If, if you still have children in that building, um, you know, you, you can hear the screaming, right? You, you hear the screams of your child. You smell the burning flesh, right? You feel the heat. What do you do? And, and if you answered run for school board or, you know, lobby my state legislators or, you know, sign a petition, uh, you're either an idiot or you don't have children or you don't love your children. Exactly. It's just that simple. Exactly. Uh, and, and frankly, the fire is not an adequate analogy, Tim, because uh, a fire will hurt your children physically and, and it might even kill them. And it, you know, trust me, they're being hurt physically. They're being castrated. Girls are being given hysterectomies, abortions, double mastectomies. Uh, they're, they're, suicide is now one of the leading causes of death for children in America. A lot of them are killing each other. So, yes, they might die. Yes, they might be physically injured. But even worse than that, they're being destroyed. 
uh, mentally and emotionally and spiritually and academically. Um, how can we accept that? So it's it's worse than a fire. And then I end with a giant afterward, kind of looking at, you know, what does the Bible teach on education? What is the purpose of education? What did education used to look like before the government got involved? Um, and and try to give some practical tips for, for you know, all of the uh, objections that people might have, and also practical tips for how you can, right this moment, get your children out of the system and get them a good education. Okay, so let's let's talk about that. I mean, we got plenty of time for solutions, and and I I know people would rather hear it because they already know the bad stuff. Uh, sadly, though, even in our audience, here, you know, we have some that are still doing it, and some feel like I can't do it because I can't make ends meet. You know, they're a single parent. Or, you know, both parents are having to work. Where are we going to get the time or the money? To do? And I understand that. I do. And I give my testimony. I mean, I, I, there's been two years out of my entire life where I made over $60,000. That was several years ago. And, I, you know, my wife and I, we've been married almost 30 years. We've got 10 kids. You've got your family as well. You can probably attest to this. And I don't know your financial situation, but I can tell people not over $60,000 a year. And yet the Lord was faithful. Yeah, sometimes I had to go do some work I didn't want to do or pick up something else. I do about four or five other things other than liberty here to make ends meet. And why? And my wife has been home every day since our first daughter was was born because God convicted us about that, that this is where her energy is to be placed in the home. That's Titus 2 for younger women. And they're there to love their husbands, love their children. So what's some practical things that people can do and I don't know if you can touch on that, if you have that experience of, you know, the finances being really tight and you've got a growing family and many people, they only have maybe one or two kids. So it's not as expensive to do these things. What are some practical ways these people can take back their educational liberty and demonstrate their love for their kid by, you know, if they don't know it, like you said, they can get a tutor. They can maybe somebody that they know can teach certain things. What would be some practical things that people can do, Alex? Well, that is a huge discussion, and I'll start off by pointing out that you and you and I are in the same boat, right? Uh, we do not earn a lot of money. I've got five children, one more on the way coming this summer, God willing. And so, congratulations! Um, thank you. And you know, same thing. My my wife uh, puts her energy in the home. She does not work outside the home. Uh, you know, homeschooling is like eight full time jobs. <laughs> so you know, she does she does more. That's than her exactly right. Yeah. Say that mom, sure. Any mom, any mom has it's worth her salt. That's for sure. That's right. And so, you know, I, I help uh, and I provide some guidance and, and love and, you know, discipline is appropriate. Um, so I, I'm not going to lie and say there's no sacrifice. There is a sacrifice involved. You're not going to be able to drive a nice, fancy new car, most likely, I mean, unless you're making crazy amounts of money, in which case this doesn't apply to you. You might have to live in a smaller house. Right? I'm from Miami and um, we thought about living in Miami. I've been overseas all my life. But when we came back to the United States because they banned homeschooling in Sweden, where my wife is from, uh, you know, we had the option to go to Miami and we looked at the cost and we said, wow, this would be very difficult. To, to make this work. So what did we do? We looked for a community about four and a half hours north of there, and the cost of living was about half. So we deliberately made uh, a choice about where we wanted to live. Uh, we live as cheaply as we can. Uh, you know, my, my pickup truck is uh, almost 20 years old. Uh, until very recently, my wife drove a, an SUV that was about 20 years old, actually a little more than 20 years old. Now we still got it parked in the driveway. So yeah, there, there's going to be sacrifices you're going to have to make. But I tell people, you know, what's more important to you than your children? Uh, and you know, honestly, we live in the wealthiest society that mankind has ever produced, right? There, there's no other place in the world in human history where there's been as much wealth as America. Um, our goat herding ancestors, right? Our, our farmer ancestors 500 years ago could afford to educate their children and they had nothing. 
how, how is it that we, when we've got air conditioning and multiple color TVs and two cars in the driveway and all that, how is it that we cannot afford it? It's really that's why priorities. Yeah, that's why. Exactly. It's, it's where exactly. our time is going. I was thinking as you said that the Lord Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart your will heart be. And is. I think that's exactly what you're, what you're breaking out there. Yeah, there, there's no question about it. And so, yes, there will be a sacrifice. But what could be worth more than the well-being and the education of your children. They're not even your children. They're God's children. He has entrusted That's you right. with those children for a period of time to raise them, to disciple them in the way that he has prescribed in his word. Uh, and and so I think all Christians should have a heart for this. Again, it will be a sacrifice. Now, and I know there are the, the rare exceptions, you know, single mom, things like that. Uh, and what I say is you got to get creative, right? Uh, we actually helped a single mom homeschool her children for quite a period of time. She was working two jobs and, you know, she she couldn't have the children all the time. So she brought her mom in. Her mom helped a couple of days a week. My wife helped a couple of days a week. And pretty soon, hey, presto, uh, child's are, children are getting a great education. This is something that everybody can do where there's a will, there's a way. Uh, we actually have a ministry. I, I'm a volunteer. I, I have a fancy title. I'm the executive director of uh, Public School Exit. Um, it, it's, we, we do have a paid staff, but I, I'm, I'm not uh, paid. It's just a volunteer job. But our whole goal is to help Christian parents and churches and pastors uh, facilitate this exodus. And so we even have a little scholarship fund. We're actually going to be having a fundraiser in Mar-a-Lago uh, next month. I, I think it's all full or I would invite people. But um, so we're, we're charging money for people to come. And uh, we are hoping to raise quite a bit more money so that we can help even more families. Uh, the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, great organization. They've got a, a very, very nice little scholarship fund there for people who are genuinely needy. Um, there are Christian schools that have scholarship funds where wealthy people or whatever uh, will, will help out needy families in need. Uh, grandparents can play a huge role here, right? Even if you can just help with the children one or two days a week, that may be enough to allow your children to pull the, the grandchildren out of the school. So this, uh, and I should also add, this is really something that should be done in community. So we're involved with several co-ops, at least two, sometimes three days out of the week. We're with other families. We're with uh, fellow believers, and we share the burden of teaching and all these kinds of things. So get creative. There's never been a better time to homeschool. There's lots of great Christian schools, but buyer beware. You know, Do your due diligence. A lot of Christian schools are super woke. Uh, some of them are actually using government school textbooks. So do your due diligence. But I'm telling you, where there's a will, there's a way. If God tells you to do it, he will provide the means. So be in prayer, read your Bible, and just make the decision that I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I'm going to do the right thing, and the pieces will fall into place. Yes, it's going to be a sacrifice, but it will be probably the best sacrifice you ever make in your life. Yeah, and I, I tell my boys now, uh, we're having a good conversation, you know, because they're, 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 they're men now. They're not little boys anymore, and so we're having—I'm getting that feedback— and I got to tell you, it's a little bit exciting. Sometimes it's a little disappointing. I'm like, I'm doing my own report card here. Ah, you didn't do too good on that area. Uh, so I try to focus on that area as they're older. And it's interesting to hear them their feedback and what goes on in their life uh, as they encounter people or as they hear ideas, how they respond to it. It's, it's very There's a reward in that that you say, okay, the, the Lord took that and used that. And then there's other areas where you go, in spite of my failure, the Lord still taught them something. And then some, you're just like, oh, I just completely blew it in that area. Um, I know I'm, I'm dependent upon the grace of God, but His grace is supposed to enable us. So, you know, I kind of look at it as a dad, and I don't know how old your kids are, but, you know, my boys, um, the majority of them are right at 18 or a little more, and I've got one who's like 10. <laughs> so I'm hearing from those guys as they're out in the world and they come back, and it, 
again, I'm doing my own report card, and guys, I, I'm not, I'm not getting an A on everything, but I am, I am seeing where I missed stuff, and I'm trying to go back and kind of correct that, and praying that God will take that to them. It, this is probably one of the biggest things, Alex, is what you were saying before. These guys had farms and stuff, so a lot of their children would work the farm with dad. They're not like me. I have to sit in front of a computer to do this, and I'm pretty. I'm sure it's probably very much the same for you. And you get very little time with them, uh, and that's because of the way the economy. And I say the economy. I don't just mean the the fiat money we have. I'm talking about the way it works in general. How it works that we have to go chasing paper money to get the things we need instead of just putting our efforts into the things we need, like gardening or building our own house and these kinds of things. And I think that adds to education too because it's not just what's in a book it's taking and doing and the bible talks about faith without works is dead so there is the training that goes along from the word of god but it's very practical and i hope people can understand what i'm saying it's not just about what you got in the book if it never leaves the book and gets in here and becomes a part of your life then what good is it Amen. Uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I believe it's very important for parents uh, to actively get their children involved in work, in learning useful skills. Uh, you know, follow a plumber around for a few months, learn how to do some basic plumbing work, follow a builder or a carpenter around, offer yourself uh, as an assistant so that you can help them and learn in the process. Uh, if you've got a family business, if you've got a home business, get your children involved in that. Uh, in many cases, that's going to be way more useful than anything they would learn out of a book. That's anyway. right. Yep. And, and I'll say this too, for the people who are kind of nervous, you know, the, the world tries to scare you and make you think that you're not qualified. You don't have a teaching credential or an education degree. Uh, if you had an education degree, you'd be less qualified to teach your children, right? Uh, the, the, the thing that qualifies you to teach your children is that God entrusted them to you. You love them more than anybody else. And I will make you this 100% assurance, 100% guarantee. You cannot do worse than the government brainwashing. Amen. They're designed to destroy Amen. your children. So as long as you're not actively destroying your children, you're going to be doing orders of magnitude better than the government's indoctrination camps. Amen. I couldn't agree more. I, you know, I used to even get kind of tickled when we used to go to some of these homeschool conferences, and I would see people who were, they were clearly not Christian, but I knew they loved their kids enough to not put them in the public school. And when I would go up and I would talk to some of them, I'd ask that I knew they weren't Christian. Even their children responded completely different than you know, the kids who are in the public indoctrination center, and they were, they seem like they were more mature, even at a younger age. So I think there's a benefit even in that, you know, I don't want you to get it wrong, but I'm saying I've seen it even early on from people who aren't believers who do this. And I see a benefit even in that. But, you know, my hope is they're there at these, the ones that we went to were pretty openly Christian in it. I mean, they brought the Bible and everything as to why you're doing what you're doing. But I'm glad to see people doing that. And I think people can do it, Alex. Let me ask you this. I don't have it pulled up, and I'm not going to pull it up, but I do want uh, people to be able to have access. You talked about that public exit. Is that is there a website people can go to and read about that and see? Because I know we've had several people come in the chat, and they've said, look, I'm a single mom. The church doesn't help me. My family doesn't help me. How can I, I want to do this, but I can't do it. I'm, I'm, I'm just... You know, I've got to meet the bills. I'm by myself. This is what I'm making. Um, is there a place where people can go to kind of read about what you guys are doing there? 
Absolutely. Uh, publicschoolexit.com is an incredible resource. Uh, I'm, I'm amazed at what a response we're getting. Our mailing list has exploded uh, in recent months. Uh, people are really interested in this. And, and, I, and I would encourage you to, if you're in a church that doesn't value Christian education, you ought to talk with the pastor. You ought to talk with the elders because, you know, uh, we are told to make disciples, right? It, it's not just, you know, 52 different versions of John 3.16. And, uh, you know, the, the Bible says you got to preach the whole counsel of God. And God has so much to say about education. Um, and, and so if you're in a church that doesn't value education enough, if, if, if the local congregation of the body of Christ doesn't value local education or, or Christian education enough to make that a priority, you ought to talk with them. And, and if they're not interested, uh, you may try to find another congregation. Uh, we believe at Public School Exit that every church ought to be involved in this mission. And, you know, we don't give prescriptions to churches. We, we are there to walk alongside them and to help them and to make the connections. Uh, you know, we, I, I serve on the board of the Freedom Project Academy. We can set up a Christian school in your church uh, almost instantly, right? With almost no trouble. It'll it'll be through the through the internet, but we've got great Christian teachers. Um, and there are all kinds of options. We can do anything from help you set up a 501c3 so that your members, your congregations can, can pitch in a little bit of money to create a scholarship fund for local members of the local congregation if they need help with homeschooling or whatever, uh, or we can full-blown help you create a Christian school. We'll bring in the experts who know how to build a Christian school from the ground up, whatever you need. But really, churches should be working on this. Families should be working about it. If you're a grandparent and your children have their cho- their children in a government school, um, you know, yeah, you need to talk to them, but you also might try to figure out, hey, how can I help and how can I come alongside? Um, and once you connect with the local homeschooling community, right, almost any community you go to in this country will have at least one, generally many more homeschool co-ops. Once you connect with them, develop some friendships, develop some relationships, what you'll find is that this is an incredibly supportive body of Christian people, and they will be there to help you every step of the way. They'll teach you the ropes. They'll give you the school books that they are not using anymore. I mean, whatever you need, it will be made available to you. And I I can say that unequivocally because I've seen it all around this country. So, um, you know, I would encourage pastors and Christians to support uh, people who may need a little bit of help. But if if you're thinking, if you're on the fence about homeschooling, um, do some research, find out what's available in your community, find out what your church is doing and thinking about these issues. And uh, again, this is critical, folks. It's absolutely critical, and it is absolutely a critical part of the Great Commission. We are instructed to make disciples. That begins in our homes. That begins in our communities. That begins in our local churches. Yep. Amen. Amen. And and again, you, you talk about the whole counsel of God. I mean, Jesus' words are very specific. All things I've commanded. It's not just the message of repentance. It, repentance, you know, when we talk about repentance toward God, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, it's not just this thing of, okay, I believe that. That's not what we're talking about. Even the demons believe in trouble. That, that's right. <laughs> we're talking about believing it to the point of action. And I often say, you know, if you're riding down the road and you see a guy come into your lane and he's closing in, you believe he's going to hit you. So what do you do? Do you keep driving straight into that truck? No, you you get off the road or you try to avoid him in some way. And today we have people saying, I believe in Jesus as they keep down the, the highway to hell, so to speak, in their sin. They, they don't, they, they, and, and, and sadly, the hirelings are teaching them this stuff and they're the same ones teaching them. It's okay to go ahead and send them to the public school. It's okay to go ahead and get that vaccine. It's okay to listen to the politicians. They have our bet. Our government would never be against us. Alex, don't you know we got rid of the, the we got rid of those guys back in the 20th century, all the bad guys. We got rid of those. Um, and, they for, and, and they don't teach total depravity. They don't teach about the wickedness of man and why they need a, a savior, which is first and foremost, that is the foundation 
that Paul talks about in Ephesians 4, the apostles and prophets, what's the foundation? Christ. Christ. And you build upon that by obeying his word. I just, I, I tell you, I, there, there's so many people out there with a different message than what the Bible says, and it impacts all these areas, including the area of education. And I know, I, I know for a fact, people poo-poo that. They say, oh, you don't have to be real smart for God to use you. That's true. You don't. But I'm going to tell you what, Alex hit on it, study to show yourself approved unto who? Man? No, approved unto God. A workman, right? Rightly dividing the word of truth. You've got to prove yourself to God in that. And so, yes, we need education. And I'm not talking about like universities and schools and stuff. I'm talking about we need to really educate ourselves to know what we believe, why we believe, and then acting accordingly. Uh, we got about a couple of minutes here. Um, I'm just going to show this, Alex. This is where people can get the book. Can they get it on your website too, libertysentinel.org? Yes, sir. Uh, if they're willing to pay the shipping and wait a couple of weeks, I will send them a signed <laughs> copy. Uh, you know, I'm not Amazon. I can't waive the shipping. Right. Uh, I can't do it overnight. I've got a tiny staff, and actually my kids help me out a little bit with this. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it takes a couple of weeks for us to get it out. So if you want it overnight, you know, you have to go to Amazon. But uh, if you don't mind waiting a little bit and you want a signed copy, you can get it from my website, libertysentinel.org uh, forward slash shop. We'll take you right to the store. All right. And you've also got some uh, articles that you do there. Uh, Alex is kind enough to let us borrow from his Liberty Sentinel. And also, this is your Substack. stack. Uh, people can go over there. They can find it at Liberty Sentinel. Um, Alex puts out stuff almost on a daily basis. And uh, we carry some of that stuff also at sonsoflibertymedia.com. Alex has been, again, thank you for giving us uh, time to... Uh, to, to carry that, or uh, given per permission for us to carry that. Is there a final word of exhortation? You got about um, maybe about two minutes or so. Final word of exhortation toward the audience as to what we've discussed? Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me on the program, sure. brother. I, I so appreciate all that you guys do. It's an honor that you guys carry some of our stuff. Uh, really, really appreciate all that. Uh, and I would just encourage the body of Christ. I, I know most of your audience, the, you, we're talking to believers here. You know, pray about this issue. Uh, I have been convicted to believe that this is the most significant issue we are facing right now as families and even as a church, right? I, I believe at the heart this is a great commission issue. This is a gospel issue. Um, I, I believe it's the reason our country is in the mess that it's in. I believe it's the reason our families are crumbling. It's the reason our churches are empty. Our young people are, are leaving the church in huge numbers. And uh, it's because they're being indoctrinated. They're being discipled by the world, by the enemy. And, uh, you know, I just I can't emphasize enough how significant this is. This isn't just one of those issues. Right? It's not just a border, gun rights, free speech. You know, uh, all those are important issues. But over the long term, we will lose the fight on every one of those issues, absent divine intervention, if we continue to ignore this crisis that we have when it comes to the education and the raising and discipling of our children. So, um, you know, I implore folks out there, think about this, pray about this, consult the word of God about this, and then make the right decision, which is going to be, and I say it without any hesitation or equivocation, to remove your children from this diabolical system and get them a proper Christian education. Amen. You know, you were saying that a minute ago, and my friend Bill Evans, the truck driver theologian, just put out a meme, and it said something similar to this. If Christians will not disciple the nations, the nations will disciple Christians. 
Yep. Let that sink in, folks, because that's exactly what's going on. I appreciate that word of exhortation there, Alex, because that's what we need to be spurred on to uh, in doing what we're doing. And uh, guys, uh, Bradley is going to be with you at 3. Alex, if you'll hang on, I'll say goodbye to you off air. Uh, Bradley will be with you at 3 p.m. Eastern, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And Lord willing, we're going to be back with you in the morning, 6 a.m., bright and early. Talk to you then. <laughs>